Hello everyone, this is Patricia Clark and I'm here with Tommy Thompson. And I came in this morning having no idea what we were gonna talk about and Tommy slipped the topic in front of me and I still have no idea what we're gonna talk about because here is the title, who is your dot, dot, dot? So I'm intrigued, where are we going with this? Good, good, I, I always like a little bit of mystery and it's fun being back together. So uh, it feels like it's been a little while since we've done some recording. So anyway, this is kind of a, a fun topic that I feel like I've learned a little bit about recently. And the general topic and framework comes out of a book that I read recently that I loved, that I thought was kind of a, a little bit of a, a paradigm shift for me. And I love those kinds of books. And it's a book by a guy named Dan Sullivan called Who Not How. And the general premise of the book is that when people think about making progress in their lives, they often jump to the how quickly. How am I going to get from point A to point B? And he says that's, that's certainly a piece of it, but he says that's the slow road. And so his book is kind of painting this picture that it's the who's in our life that can create kind of that exponential type of growth if we find the right people, the right who's in our life in various places, that's what can catapult growth or progress more importantly than the how. And I love the concept and it just got my mind spinning. And the book is largely a business oriented type of book, but as I often do, I kind of went, well, okay, well, if it works here, how might it work here? So I began thinking just recently about what are the other roles, the other who's that help us thrive as human beings? Uh, and so that's where this topic is, is, is identifying, in, in, in this case, I've got five that have come to my mind of the type of, of people that we need in our lives that help us become our best selves. So the idea is who, not how, who, not how. It reminds me a little bit of a movie, an old Hugh Grant movie where he, I think it's Hugh Grant where it's called About a Boy, and he's this man who's so independent, and he really likes to think of himself as an island where he doesn't really need anybody in his life. And life tricks him and all these things happen where he ends up accidentally in having other people in his life, and you can imagine how it goes. The quality of his life is immeasurably better. And I think so many of us are used to living without some of these key people that you're going to talk about, and we've just gotten accustomed to it. We don't know what we're missing. Oh, that's a, that's a great, I, I have to watch that movie. That's a great point. And we're also in a culture in, in America that uh, elevates independence, elevates the person who's strong enough, who doesn't need other people. So there's a lot of wiring that suggests that we should be able to to 
do these things on our own. So this is also some pushback on all of that. And I think this is a real pushback towards, uh, towards health. Well, I think that's a great point. And I've noticed there's this inverse relationship between success and, uh, asking for help, the more successful, the more affluent you get, the more, you know, the, the less likely you are to lean on your neighbors, to ask for help, to have a dinner party and say, Hey, can everyone chip in? We're more likely to need to have it all together ourselves. And although it's nice to be successful and it's nice to be independent, there's a loss in relationship there. And there's a loss when we're trying to do everything ourselves, we miss access to people who actually are better at doing those things than we are. Yeah, and I would I would maybe actually disagree with that a little bit. I think there's a perception that the really successful people are independent and isolated and operate that way. But I think if you really talk to the successful people, they would be the first ones to tell you that it's the who's that have gotten them to the place that they are. I think it's just us looking from the outside towards that person on the top of the mountain. It appears that way from a distance, but from everything that I've seen in talking to people who have been successful, they'd be the first ones to tell you who is so important. Yeah, I can see that whenever you're talking about a creative endeavor or business or some kind of thing you're producing, there's usually a huge team on this 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 uh, iceberg under the water of people lifting yes. it up. Yes. So yeah. let's. Uh, I'm going to go ahead because you've written these down, and as I've as I've looked at them, I think it's pretty. They're pretty perceptive. The five people, the who is your dot dot dot, that you've identified are really important for a high quality of life. And let's go through each one of them. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you picked them, but I'm gonna just list them to start with and they'll be in the show notes. The first is your cheerleader. The second is a coach. The third is a faithful friend. The fourth is a companion. And I'll be interested to hear you distinguish faithful friend and companion. And the last is an inspiration. And each one of those holds a vital role. So let's start with cheerleader. Tell me why you picked that and why you think it's important. Yeah, I, I think this one is actually incredibly important to have someone that is is constantly, the very nature of them is lifting you up, is encouraging you and uh Sometimes I think we feel like we're not really doing someone a service when we cheerlead and encourage them, that, that we're supposed to push them, that we're supposed to drive them, that we're supposed to even critique them. And I've found that I think for myself, I'm elevated tremendously by the people in my life who cheer me on. Uh, it's amazing what it does when someone says, man, you're just knocking it out of the ballpark with this or whatever the case is. What that does for my spirit, what that does to encourage, encourage me, which means to put courage in, mm -hmm. what that does is unbelievable. And 
those people, if any one of these five roles that you've mentioned, and we'll come back to this, if any one of those five roles is not present, there's this gap, there's this hole that almost starts to to bleed and we are less without this. And those people who don't have a cheerleader somewhere in their lives are missing an incredible blessing. And I even think of, uh, if you want to kind of go to the Bible, I think of uh, when Jesus was baptized and he came out of the water and the heavens opened up. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I mean, if you put that in today's language, it would be, this is my son. I'm so proud of him. You know, that the father was saying to Jesus. So I think that's a neat thing. I want to say something else that I think is, uh, I hope that this is heard really clearly. I think this should be one of the most important, primary, dominant roles in a marriage. That spouses say, above all else, I am my spouse's cheerleader. Okay, I might have a lot of other roles, but I want my spouse to know that I am their biggest fan. And in our marriage relationships, we have so many opportunities because we know the person deeply to be critical and to see all of their flaws. And that's a reality. That's why it's even that much more powerful if we choose to take that role of cheerleader in our marriage relationships. And for those who have a hard time finding people, how great would it be if we if we kind of adopted as the first step in this to say, I'm going to be that for my spouse. I'm, I'm going to start to overwhelm and dominate the way we interact with each other by being, being my spouse's cheerleader. I think that would be unbelievable. It would turn relationships around. Well, it reminds me of a quote by uh, a great author, Bob Goff, and he was with his wife, who he calls Sweet Maria. It's sort of cute. He calls her publicly that, and she's known as Sweet Maria. And they were doing a lecture, and he said, women, women out there, I'm speaking to you, what you believe about your spouse is who they will become. So if you believe and are on, you're constantly harping on their negative traits, it calls that out in them. Whereas if you're their cheerleader and you're believing the best in them, then they will rise to that. And I thought it was very, very profound that as, as a married couple, that we can have that kind of power with our words that we almost enact and call to life, either the best or the worst in our spouse, based on whether we're the cheerleaders or the taunters. It- it's so true. It is why this role, this who, is so important. And, and I got to say, Wheezy is an unbelievable encourager and cheerleader for me. And the difference that makes in these things that I feel like I'm sticking my neck out on and pushing the boundaries on, it's absolutely huge. And, it, and it's there's nothing fake. It's not flattery or anything. It's genuine. And it's 
means all that much more because she knows all of the all of the flaws, mm-hmm. all of the shortcomings that she still is my fan. So it's just it's a it's a powerful thing, and I almost love that I'm leading off with this because that's we could almost stop the podcast now and yeah. just say find your cheerleader, become someone's cheerleader. Well. I'm having this memory of high school basketball games because two of my best friends were cheerleaders. And then some of my guy friends were the ones in the stands with the no shirts on and the paint all over them. And they had very different roles. So whenever the team would do a great job, the cheerleaders would celebrate. I mean, everyone would celebrate. But if the other team did something bad, the guys with the painted chest would taunt them and yell. They'd start all these chants. And it's interesting because when you watch a basketball game, when you watch players, they're going to do things well and they're going to do things badly. And I imagine even as we're talking about this, I wasn't a taunter. I also wasn't a cheerleader. I was kind of in that in-between stand. I was in the stands in between. And I had a, I have a choice as a spouse because my spouse is going to do things well and they're going to do things badly. And I have a choice which one I'm going to be. You yeah. know, which which stand am I going to be in? And uh, it you know, human beings, when you're married, you're going to, you're going to have both, but what role do we get to play? Right. And for single people, there's still that opportunity to find the cheerleaders in your life. This isn't just a married thing. We all, every one of us need cheerleaders in our life. And that's why my hope is for those that are listening to this, to identify in each one of these and go, do I have someone in that role? And to identify those places that they need to do the work mm. to find someone who is that for them. That's great. I, I really like that one. All right, let's move on to coach. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll just jump in here and say this is one that I have not had an actual coach in my life since I played high school sports and that was very limited definition of the word coach. But then when you and I started working together, you naturally are a coach. You coach all your friends naturally. You just have this teacherly way about you. And some of the areas in my life where I was really struggling and didn't even know I was struggling, a coach is able to identify what's going on. It's almost like a doctor who can look at your physical body and I address, there's where the problem is. And I think of a coach is that way too. They look at your life holistically and they're able to identify, provide a steps to fix it, and then also do it in an encouraging way. And, right. and I didn't even know I was missing that in my life until, you know, we started spending um, time together. Well, Thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, it is something that I absolutely love to do. And I think with this, whether you call it a coach or mentor, honestly, is uh, just almost semantics. There are people who would parse those words, but it's someone, as you say, to encourage you, but to encourage you with some sense of how do I uh, push the, that person forward, either through their life experiences that can offer help on how to move forward or by evoking that out of you, mm-hmm. uh, but one or the other, but someone that is going to help you move in a way that you can't do by yourself. And 
that's a very, very powerful role. And it's one that's probably uh, out of these, perhaps maybe one of the most neglected uh, and frankly, probably one of the harder ones to find sure. uh, in terms of it. But that doesn't change the importance of it. Well, it doesn't necessarily fit with mainstream culture to have a coach or a mentor. It more and more it is. And and I think there's no harm in hiring someone to help with Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Or one of the things that I've noticed is that when you attach yourself to organizations, whether it's a church or a gym or some kind of group, there are these built in uh, longevity patterns, people who've been there longer than you have. And there's a system in place there where it kind of normalizes the, the ask, Hey, would you help me with this? You find this in Al-Anon groups, you find this at churches, you find this at, at schools. And so I think there's something, if you're missing this in your life about looking to where their systems already in place where you can ask for it. Exactly. Yeah. So there are certainly professional people that do this. There are organizations that do this. You might just have to uh, identify someone that you aspire to that could play that role in your life. Sure. Okay. So the next one is faithful friend. Could, could we talk about faithful friend and then the next one, companion together and maybe describe how they're the same or how they're different? Yeah. Uh, and I, I did, as I was as I was thinking about this, think that uh, there is a distinction. For some people, they might fill both roles in a person's life, but when I'm thinking about a faithful friend, I'm thinking about that confidant, that person that we can uh, open up our soul to, that we can talk deeply about the most important things that matter to us, that when um, when the shoe drops on us, is going to naturally come to care for us. And that is such an absolutely important role because we never know when the storms are going to come. Mm-hmm. We never know. And to, to identify that faithful friend after the storm has hit, is often just way too difficult. So having that person, which is really unnatural for a lot of people to open up and become vulnerable in that sense, uh, it's a it's a very very hard thing. But it is one of the most life giving roles, whose that you can have in your life. Companion, on the other hand is someone that you just love to hang out with. Someone that fills the the gaps of, I'd like to do things with someone in my life. And sometimes the faithful friends, life situations don't allow them, uh, or even just interest, don't necessarily make them the person who fits that role of companion. And sometimes the companions don't necessarily have the gifts or the the wiring to be the faithful friend. Occasionally, it's both. But we need both. You know, I mean, it's great. And, I, and I've been so truly blessed by having several faithful friends in my life. But at different times, they weren't necessarily my companions. And I didn't even have room in life 
for companions. I mean, I was working, you know, running multiple businesses, but having those roles is, I think, both of those play, whether it's in one person or in two different kind of groups of people is very important. Well, and I like that you distinguish them because I think there's also a danger in taking someone who is a faithful friend and expecting them to also be a companion and they can't be or taking a companion and wanting them to be that faithful friend who you can bear your soul to, but there's just not the right connection or uh, willingness to let that happen. And so there's a freedom in defining them differently and looking for both in your life, but not expecting sort of everyone to be everything to you. I'm so glad you called that out because that's really true. I mean, when we found that person that fits one or the other role, it's so precious to us that, that we naturally want to make it into something. And sometimes that's the worst thing that you can do for relationships. I'm really glad you called that out. Sure. So this last one is also, I think, possibly hard to find in a real person. It might be easier to find watching TV or on the internet, but the last one is inspiration. Are you talking about inspiration in terms of someone you actually know, or are you? could it be someone you read about or how do, how do you see that? Uh, I think it could be both. And I think it's completely fine, but we should have some people that who they are, we connect to that we really aspire to, that we are inspired by and that give us uh, a, a tangible vision of who we'd love to become. So for instance, one that is for me that I don't know, well, I can't know now, but I I can remember reading books about Dallas Willard and books by Dallas Willard and the very nature of who he is and who I really want to be as someone who loves to teach. He was just an inspiration to me, not just in what he taught. That was actually secondary, but how he taught, how he spoke into people's lives. I went, I would just love to be just like him. Hmm. And so when I read about him and read his things and even heard the way he spoke, I went, that's, that's what I want to be. That's the person I want to become. And I do have people that I do know uh, a little bit more that I also are in that I'm inspired by. So it can be either one, but we want to have people who are beyond us that give us a vision of who we want to become, who we want to aspire to, who we are inspired by. And that's a, that's a critical role. If, if we're the farthest along in all our chain, which would be kind of, a shame if we thought we were, but if we are, we're missing out. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I noticed that in the Olympics with my daughters, we all three of my two daughters. And when I was growing up, we were all athletes and I never watched women playing professional sports except for during the Olympics. And my girls love watching the soccer team because they don't, you know, they, they're inspired by it. And just having people in front of you who are like you enough, but 
farther down the line or out of your reach is it it helps you believe that you could be something or be beyond where you are. You know, um, my daughter, who is younger than me, she's 19, she had some time off this year and she went on this cross-country trek with her friends. And it's something I'd always wanted to do, but I thought, I can't do that. I, you know, I can't do that by myself or I can't, I don't have the skills to camp. I don't have the, but I watched her do it and she learned how to do all these things. And she just had this youthful carpe diem attitude that I probably have lost a little in my old age. And it inspired me to go and do it myself with one of my other kids. And I, know without a doubt that I wouldn't have pushed myself to do it if I hadn't seen her do it and watch her make it possible. And that's what it is. It's inspiration is someone who you can connect with in some way, making possible something that you would like to happen as well. Well, and and that's so great. I love that you've said that because so often we immediately jump to the conclusion that the inspiration has to be someone older than us. And we're missing this tremendous opportunity to see that the the inspiration people younger than us can be and often our own family. And the other thing I would say with this is that while people who are distant can be inspirations, the very best is if we can bring that inspiration as close to home as possible. You know, how great would it have been in my younger days if I had identified Dallas Willard as an inspiration and got really bold and went out to meet him, he's not alive any longer, but I missed an opportunity to take someone who could have completely changed. And, and Dallas Willard was the inspiration for one of the, you know, incredibly uh, influential people, John Ortberg minister of a massive church uh, in California. So if you can if you can somehow pull those inspirations as close to home, how much even more valuable is that? I can see that, you know, I like how uh, these, so many of these are to support you in the moment, the cheerleader, the coach, the faithful friend, the companion, but the inspiration is to draw you forth, to draw yes. you out. So these are these are really great ideas. So what do we do if we can't find these? What if we identify that we are missing these in our life? Right. And, you know, I have to, I guess, admit, confess or acknowledge that uh, while I tend to like lists and formulas and everything, this doesn't fit that neatly, that I can't offer you like one, two, three steps for how do you find these people? I think that the the three things that come to my mind, and then I think we're going to just have to allow other people to mull on this, that come to my mind in terms of how do you identify these people in your life? I think one, it takes great intentionality. And that's one of the reasons I want to call out these five, because hopefully you both people have listened can say, yes, I've, I, this is the person. Wow, I really appreciate this is a person who's the cheerleader. This is the person who's the faithful friend for me. But at the same time saying, wow, I never thought about it. I'm missing this. So there's an intentionality of identifying where your need is and saying, I'm going to change this. I'm going to find this. I'm going to search out for this. 
So I think that's kind of the first piece of this is that intentionality and identification of it. The second thing I would say is that finding this, these people in our lives also takes some creativity. You know, they often are not immediately evident. We can't go, oh gosh, I need to find a companion. Well, uh, just look right here. You know, we might have to get creative. For instance, you may love tennis. You might find your companion on your tennis team or with someone who finds and loves to play tennis or someone who loves to paint or someone who loves to garden or someone who loves to hike. You like to hike a lot. That's a great way is identifying, okay, that's a, a creative act. And then I'd say the final thing, and this is, is uh, I found this really true for me as someone who is most naturally wired as an introvert, is it takes boldness. It takes getting outside of your comfort zone. It takes doing something. And that's, that's hard, but that's kind of what it takes. But the rewards are massive for this. So. So creativity, intentionality, and boldness is, it's not an exact science, but these are tools that we can use to go out and find some of these people in our life. And they might already be there. Like I look at this and I think Steve, my husband is at least, is many, many of these, but we, we might already have these relationships, but we may need to cultivate this in the relationships as well and be intentional about it. Uh, that's great. It's great. Yeah. These are things that can be cultivated and kind of just as you said, and as we talked about it, uh, you know, the cheerleader is one that can be significantly cultivated within a relationship, within a, a dating relationship, within a friendship and within a, uh, with, within a marriage. So, uh, cultivate that we need to add that one. That's okay. the fourth one. Okay. Cultivate. Yeah. Well, great. Okay. And the title of that book, if you are interested, is Who, Not How by Dan Sullivan. And uh, the five people that we mentioned to look for in your life will be listed in the show notes. But thanks for this great idea and this great topic. Great. Love talking. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you found it helpful and encouraging in your journey. Before you leave, I wanted to let you know of two things. First, if you are looking for more helpful content like this, visit TommyThompson.org. There you will find resources created to help you find space in your life. Second, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would take a minute to leave a review. This helps other people find the show as well. 